0: your neighbor as yourself. There's been a whole movement about how important it is to love yourself, and I think that can also go down a rabbit hole. (laughs) There might be a bit too much of that. Uh, We're going to look at this over the next few weeks, and I felt, um, you know, the Lord was saying that it was kind of a follow-through what we've been doing the previous weeks, and uh, we looked at discipleship, and and, uh, as we looked at discipleship, we talked about how will people know that we are disciples of the Lord, and we looked at this already. The reality is people will know we are disciples of the Lord by the love we have one for the other, and so one of the signs to those outside the church is that we are disciples of Jesus is the fact that we love on each other, Right, that we love each other. We talked about God's love is not sappy sentimentalism or emotional, but it is acts, choices of what we do for one another, and so we decide that we're going to do that. Uh, this week, uh, we've been looking. This is all kind of fit in with some of the things that are happening this fall. And uh, I talked about this neighbor-to-neighbor event that's happening in the community. And so as we look at this neighbor-to-neighbor event happening in the community, well, shouldn't we be loving our neighbors? And I said this before, we've had this conversation before, that the spiritual houses of the Lord should be the catalyst for this in West Prince. We should be the ones showing others how this should be done. And so I'm challenging you uh, to think about that, and then right behind this is Love Atlantic in that uh, week leading up to Thanksgiving. Love Atlantic is, the Wesleyan Church had started this, Bracton was the one who put me in on this, but they're now asking the churches of the Atlantic to sign up and say, our church wants to be a part of this. For a week, we're going to talk about this as a church board on Tuesday night, but for a week, we want to look at a project that we can be very generous towards, but we also want to look at ways during that week that we can love our neighbor, that we can love our community, to find ways. Uh, You've noticed, I had to laugh because Pastor Mike said to me, I can't read that. That's not the point. That's just to show you that you got a piece of paper today, right? You got your papers? Did everybody get a paper I hope you did. If not, we'll have to get more. And uh, maybe we didn't print off enough. We'll print off some more. But I have put together some ideas of some practical things you can do this week and some practical things you can do in that week of Love Atlantic. And uh, let's just pray for one another. And look, I mean, there's, this is just some ideas. There's such creativity. God has made us creative. We can come up with ideas, and we can listen to the Holy Spirit What we should be doing uh, through these weeks and uh, to love (laughs) like Jesus. It's so neat sometimes to see how the Holy Spirit moves because if you notice that video for Alabaster, Pastor Mike had chosen that video not knowing that this was actually part of my message, too. Uh, about a fire and, and I was thinking of the forest fires that we've seen across Canada that's happened and we've seen this in the stories that all of a sudden there's a forest fire and the, the police and the firemen will come knocking at your door and what will they say? You need to evacuate immediately. We've seen that over in BC, how that happened to families. They literally had within minutes that they needed to evacuate. And in that moment where you need to evacuate, what's going to happen? You are going to grab those things that you find most valuable to you. And so the reality is in a moment of crisis, you look at those things that are most valuable, what your priorities are. Do you know there's actually a website called theburninghouse.com? And it is an art project where somebody will show you from people all over the world what is valuable to them, and if their house was burning, what would they take? That's actually on the web, by the way. This one is from Deidre Baker, age 25, from Texas. And this is what she said. She would grab that quilt. There you go, Margie. (laughs) They would grab a quilt wallet, some kind of collar, I guess it's a dog collar of a a dog that had passed, keys, phone, photo, passport, hard drives, books, and cash. So if you think about that today, what would you take in a moment of crisis? Now, some in our church have been through that terrible tragedy of of a house fire, and I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone But it is good to kind of think about what would we see as valuable in the midst of a crisis. Why am I bringing that up today? The question that the scribe asked Jesus was like that. Faced with all what was going on in their day and the Roman rule and the upheaval and different thoughts and different ideas and how you should interpret the Jewish law. They're asking Jesus, Jesus, what do you value? In the midst of crisis in society, Jesus, what is the most important thing? Savior, what would you say today is the greatest commandment? What would you hold on to or want us as the church to hold on to in the midst of crisis? And Jesus made it very, very clear what is important to him, what Jesus sees as a priority, what is the most valuable thing to Jesus is love God and love others because there is no other commandment greater than these. These, this was indeed Jesus's priority. Do you know this is the first time that a rabbi had ever taken these commandments and put these together? It's interesting, a story, one time the Italian actress, Sophie, uh, Sophia Loren, had come valuable, had some valuable jewelry stolen, and she was crying and upset, hysterically. And then her movie director, Vittorio Di Sica, came and took her aside and said, now listen to me, Sophia. I am much older than you, and if there is a great truth that I have learned in life, and I want you to understand, it is this. Never cry over anything that cannot cry over you. Wow. (laughs) He, He was basically saying to her, the most important thing in your life, the most valuable thing in your life is people. And in a moment of crisis, people are the most important. People are more important than cars and houses and furniture. People are more important than our possessions, more important than all our stuff that we hoard. People are more important than the material things. And the Bible makes it very, very clear that people are important to God. And because people are important to God, then they should be also important to us, His people. Today, we're going to go veer off our scripture and look at a story in Luke 10, 25-37, known as the Good Samaritan. Many of us have grown up hearing this story, this parable. See, Jesus is responding to a scribe that came to him, and on one occasion, verse 25 says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? See, teachers of the law, the scribes, were very learned men. They were very academic. They were experts of the law. Their role was to make sure that the law was correctly interpreted. They had memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And they were always able to give an authoritative answer when somebody asked. So the question he asked Jesus is a loaded question. It makes it very clear that he is doing it to test Jesus, in verse 25 there. Jesus, you know, I wish I could learn to do this. (laughs) Jesus did this often. He responded to a question with what? A question. (laughs) What does the law of Moses say, he says in verse 27? That's chapter 10 of Luke he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. See, basically he was summarizing the Ten Commandments. We've all been raised, hopefully we've been raised to know and understand the Ten Commandments. And so he's quoting, as we heard in the passage from Daryl, uh, that Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18. And he's saying, Love God with everything. That summarizes the first four commandments. And then, Love your neighbor as yourself summarizes the next six commandments. But then, in verse 28, Jesus says this You have answered correctly. Good job. Way to go. And then he says, Do this, and you will live. Two little words, do this, go and do this. See, the problem was not that the scribe lacked information. He had training, he had studied, he had information. He already knew the answer to the question as he's testing Jesus. The problem for this expert of the law, and I can truthfully say the problem for the church in North America, is we got the information. We have so much information. Information is at our fingertips. Information's on our radio. Information is everywhere we turn. We can go and get whatever book we want on any subject of faith we want. Problem isn't information. Problem is application wasn't more information that this man, this scribe, this learned man needed. He needed to take what he was learning and now applying it to everyday life. Here's a little story. You'll find this one funny. This expert in the law was a bit like this gray-haired old lady who was a long-standing member of her community and church. At the end of the service, she shook hands with the minister and said, That was a wonderful sermon. Just wonderful, Pastor. Everything you said applies to someone else I know. This young man, the scribe, didn't want to admit his defeat. Jesus had him there standing in front of everybody. And then he looks for a loophole, right? And he asks another question. He says, but who's my neighbor? (laughs) You want me to go do it? But who's my neighbor? You see, Jews were convinced up to this point, because it's part of the Old Testament, love your neighbor, is all part of God's law. They were convinced that loving my neighbor meant my neighbor had to be someone who lived close to me, someone I knew, and someone who was an upstanding good Jew. And so they had put parameters on this loving my neighbor. They were convinced that they didn't have to love those outside the Jewish faith. They didn't have to love their enemies, and they definitely would never love the Samaritans. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other like poison. And so this is a lesson about the wickedness of racial and religious prejudice. You know, I was saddened, and I think a lot of islanders were saddened as we heard about the news in Evangeline, in recent days, of prejudice. And so this is nothing new under the sun. This can go on in every generation. You know, it was so bad between the Jews and the Samaritans that they actually believed and taught that if a Gentile woman or a Samaritan woman were having struggles in childbirth, that they were not to intervene. It would be better for her to die in childbirth so one less Samaritan could be born. These are godly people who feel that that is an adequate way of thinking. <laughs> and so now Jesus decides to redefine for this young man the word neighbor in this story as we know it the Good Samaritan. You see, the journey from Jericho to Jerusalem or Jerusalem to Jericho was well known as a dangerous road. It it was very steep and there were rock crevices and it was a place that robbers could hide and uh, they could there uh, rob someone and hurt someone. And so actually, historically, this road was known as the red way or the bloody way. It was also known that most people never traveled that road alone. You always went with a group, because there's power in numbers, safety in numbers, and we don't understand why this man was on that road by himself, but this traveler is on the story of Jesus on this road, and he comes into a situation where he is robbed and stripped and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. Remember today we talked about attitudes? Well, we see in this story there were three attitudes to the reality of this man, this traveler who was beaten and bruised and hurting on the side of the road. There was that perfect indifference, there was that interest, that curiosity, and then there was that practical empathy. I wonder where you see yourself today in this story. Loving our neighbor or your neighbor, our neighbor, is based on a need, not what we think someone is worth. What's interesting is we've gone through a lot of days about my spiritual gift. We've been through those decades of that, and what's my spiritual gift, and what's my calling, and what should I be doing, and we have a lot in the church. Well, that's not my calling. That's not my job. Let someone else do that. The truth of it is today the need is the call, in these kinds of situations the need <laughs> when somebody's broken and bruised and hurting on the side of the road the need is the call for all of us God's love reminds us that everyone is important no matter what condition they find themselves in life and so the priest decided to be indifferent he didn't bother to he saw it from the corner of his eye he saw the person there and he kept on walking now, some believe that he was on his way to worship, and so he couldn't touch somebody uh, uh, defiled because that would make him unclean. But someone else has read that they, when they look at the wording of this, he's actually returning from Jerusalem. So you can't even use that as an excuse. And he just stays on the other side of the road, and he walks on by. He ignored the situation. The Levite was the curious one. He decided he was gonna check it out. Can you imagine this? You're dying on the side of the road and this religious man that does activities in the church and cares for the building, comes up and checks you out, looks over you and checks your situation and then walks on by. That would make you feel worse. Because you would have thought there's some hope here. This person's coming close to me and they're checking up on me and they're looking at my situation and all they say is, oh, I'm so sorry what you're going through. That must be terrible. (laughs) Let me pray for you. (laughs) Now, believe me, you know I believe in the power of prayer. But in that situation, that man didn't just need someone to pray for him. He needed someone to intervene and help him out. And so that Levite, he continues to walk Away. I'm sure the priest Levite would have helped a fellow priest if they were injured. I'm sure the priest Levite would help a family member if they were injured. I'm sure the priest Levite would help someone if they knew them and they were injured. But the tragedy of this story is that the priest and the Levite saw this injured man as a nobody. He was not one of them. He was an inconvenience into a busy day, therefore they passed him by. Amy Jill Levine challenges this notion. Neither Jesus nor Luke gives the priest or Levite an excuse, nor would any excuse be acceptable though they are clearly not the protagonists in our story here today, the priest and the Levite tell us a truth that is more important to hear. They had the Torah. They knew the calls for care for those in trouble. They had their own go and do likewise. It was all throughout God's word. But for whatever reason, they passed by the man. The shock ought not overshadow that the priest and the Levite who likewise have a call to care for others, pass by. This week, I was challenged with the question, how often do I pass by? How often do you pass by? Loving your neighbor means you're going to have to feel something. Look at verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, you see that? How important it is for us to see people, to value people. When he saw the man, he had pity on him. See, love feels something. Remember I told you it is an action word. It is not sappy sentimentalism or emotionalism. But God does touch our hearts to have compassion, pity. Some versions say his heart went out to him. He didn't see this man as an interruption or a problem to avoid. We know in this story so well we miss the impact of these words. Jesus said that it was the Samaritan who helped. This would have been outrageous for the people that were listening to Jesus and that man, that scribe that was listening, to hear the words of Jesus, the good Samaritan for them did not go together. There was no Samaritan that was good. And the hatred between them was so real. And it still goes on today as we see these smoldering tensions between Israel and Palestine. But when the Samaritan saw the dying man lying there, in agony beside the road, his heart and his mind was stirred. That it was impossible for him just to pass by without helping. My friends, that's what real how real love affects us. The love of God affects us. That we begin to have pity on people. We begin to see people in their troubles. I love that story from Alabaster where that family were in such dire straits that night. And the church was there that came alongside of them in their worst hour and their worst day. And they came to Christ because of it. The Samaritan looked beyond the religious and cultural differences. He didn't say, oh, it's a Jew, so I can't come close to him. He treated him with love and respect and acted upon it loving your neighbor means you're going to do something what we've been talking about verse 34 he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on the oil and the wine and then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him so you must move towards people to express your love Notice how Jesus here details what? Verbs, action words. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine into his wounds. He put him on his donkey. He brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. Love we act upon. It is not enough just to feel it, but we must also act upon it for to be truly God's love. As we love our neighbor's. Loving your neighbor is going to cost you something. Isn't that sometimes one of the greatest roadblocks of our day? We don't want to be put out. We don't want to be interrupted. I'm not saying you're going out looking for these things, but when God sends them our way, usually, well, I've got things to do today, Lord, so I'm sure you're going to send someone right behind me. (laughs) The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. That's verse 35. The Samaritan, we're told, put the man on his donkey. That meant he had to walk. We're told that the man even went the extra mile because he didn't leave him there on the side of the road. He brought him to the inn. He brought him to a place of safety, a place of healing. And he saw to it that the innkeeper would also check in on him and, and, and gave him some money to do so. And he even said, and we know he is an honest man and a man well-respected because he could say to the innkeeper, if it costs more when I'm back through town again, I will pay for it. You wouldn't do that for a man unless you knew he was trustworthy, a man of integrity and honest. And so it cost him. And I want to say to you today, if we're going to love our neighbors, it costs. It takes investment. If we're honest this morning, the reason why many of us do not get involved is that we don't want to pay the price. Do we want to give up our Saturday and meet some new people in the community? Or do you have other things to do? If I'm going to on Tuesday, I'm going to get a puzzle and bring it into one of our seniors' homes, that means I have to go and either uh, take a good puzzle from home or purchase one and go out of my way and stop what I'm doing on that day and drop in and say, here's a gift for the seniors here. It costs. It takes time. Caring for people will eat into your time, your finances, and your plans. And oh, the interruptions. But my friends, loving your neighbor demonstrates real, true faith. Notice that story today of that family after the fire, that they had helped that family's needs. And it was while their needs were being met that she heard them singing about Jesus, that she heard them talking about Jesus, and she wanted to know who this Jesus was. But at first, the church came in and helped that family's needs. No strings attached. But it gave them an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of Robert's The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You can almost hear him choking (laughs) when Jesus tells him again. He doesn't use the word Samaritan. He definitely doesn't use the word good Samaritan. Did you notice that? He says, the one, the one who had mercy on him. And so for the second time, Jesus tells this man, go and do something. (laughs) First time, as we said, was verse 28, do this and you will live. Here he says again in verse 37, go and do likewise. He actually, Jesus turns the man's question around. Did you notice that? He started with, who is my neighbor? Right, as an excuse. At the close of the story, the question is, what kind of neighbor am I? Are you? See, my friends, in the Church of Jesus Christ, there is no place for favoritism. There is no place for prejudice, racial prejudice, any kind of prejudice. There is no place for it in the Church of Jesus Christ. This one made me chuckle. An old Charlie Brown Peanuts cartoon. Of course I love the human race. I just can't stand Lucy. It is funny, but sometimes we can be like those Jews that have felt that loving their neighbor meant they just had to love a fellow Jew and they didn't have to love the Samaritans. We can sometimes in our own lives have that dividing line. And Jesus is telling this man that knew the law so well, in my love, there's no dividing line. That we are to love all people. So, in the midst of a crisis, what do you value? In the midst of a crisis called a pandemic, in the midst of the crisis of covid What have we felt was so important to argue about and fight about and all kinds of things that people got involved in in discussions? Such pettiness, my friends. And some of it would even be seen as foolish. Because Jesus would say to the churches, he said to them on this day, in the moment of crisis, I want you to value what's the most important thing. People. The lost. People who need the Lord, who need a place to run to as a shelter in the time of storm. The most valuable things to Jesus in the moment of crisis is that you love God. And I don't think there's any doubt in that. And as we've said, that you love one another. And when I love you, I put up with you and you put up with me, even if we don't think alike. That's okay. Okay. Because that's what makes the church as beautiful and powerful and wonderful as it is. It's not cloning. It's not that we have a stamp on our forehead that we all think alike and, and act alike and smell alike and look alike. The church becomes the most beautiful community on the earth when we can be diverse, but we love one another. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the Holy Spirit when it hits a heart and life. I have different opinions than you but that doesn't matter. I love you and you love me. And of course, Jesus values the reality that it's our call to love our neighbor, to love all people. Now hear me right. I'm not saying that I love their lifestyle. I'm not saying I love what they're doing. I'm not saying that. That but that's that's something that we have to pray about and we give to the Lord And we love on people, and we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in what we should say, when we should say it, and how we should say it. But we are called to love our neighbors. Do you know the truth of it is today? It wouldn't be long that Jesus would be the one beaten and broken and bruised, stripped. And even as he was on that cruel cross... The Levite and the priest walked by and mocked him. People spat upon him. The religious, the son of God, the Messiah, is being crucified before their very eyes, and the religious are so blind that they mock him and they spit at him and say all kinds of vile things about him as he is stripped naked before the world to see, broken and bruised and crucified on a cruel Roman cross. The only person who could see it was the criminal to his side that in a little bit of some kind of wonder and peace, he says to Jesus, I can imagine how this touched the Savior's heart, would you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And it was a Roman soldier, a foreigner, a pagan, who said at his crucified feet, surely you are the Son, surely He is the Son of God. I believe that God is wanting to do something amazing in our day. Don't don't be like the priest and the Levite. (laughs) Be open to what God is wanting you to do as you reach out to people. And Jesus says, for all of humanity that this is what he finds valuable, this is the greatest commandment, that we love God and we love others. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Even if we, my friends, as the body of Christ, should not exclude anyone or any group because of social status, a supposed character fault, religious difference, racial difference, ethnic difference, citizenship difference, We are called to help everyone in need, even if. We are called to help even if the person is Jewish and we're Samaritan. We are called to help even if the person doesn't like us or speak our language or believe in our God. We are called to help even if the person has hurt us, snubbed us, and gave us uh, a heartbreak. Because Jesus went through that all the time. We are called to help those in need, period. We're called to help because that's what Jesus does. And that's what Jesus would do. And we who call ourselves by the name of Jesus have to and must go and do the same. Lord, we pray today that you would help us to understand what it means to love our neighbor We've made it clear today that our neighbor is not just people in West Prince that we've known all our lives. <laughs> our neighbor is anyone and everyone in West Prince who would have a need. That's our neighbor. The need is the call. And Lord, I know, I know it's it's been hard. There's been a lot of changes over the years, and even COVID has can cause us to become even more isolated and fearful of change and difference and different people. But God, there is something within us that your Holy Spirit is percolating in us that wants to touch our hearts, that we begin to show your empathy and compassion for people. And we just begin to think what it must feel like for them, what they're going through. And we see the needs around us, and we hear your call. Not their call, we hear your call to Lord, the love of God is so in our hearts and we're so full of the love of God that we can do nothing but love on people. And so Lord, I pray, it's not like we're going around looking under rocks, but Lord, I pray each one of us will be given opportunities this week and in the weeks ahead where the Holy Spirit will check our hearts and say, there, there's a person that just smile at them, just welcome them, just ask where they're from and how they're doing, just do something to show my love to them. God, I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, remind each one of us how we can welcome the outsider, how we can welcome our neighbor, how we can welcome our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we thank you. This is, as Pastor Mike says, it is the response after the response. It's not the response today at the front of this church. It's going to be the response this coming week in each one of our lives and in the months ahead. God, help us to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me.